Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning. You guys can be seated. I uh, just want to welcome you again and thank you for being here. Um, as, we, as we start this morning, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series on what it means to be a witness, and it's, it's a word study is what we're calling it, on looking at the idea and the concept and the word of being witness throughout Scripture. And so one thing that we've done different uh, here that may be different than what you're used to is we did this in the fall, and then we're doing it again this spring with this series, is rather than having someone, uh, primarily me, teaching each and every week, what we've done is we've kind of created a collaborative, kind of a collective teaching team for the series that we did in the fall, and we're doing it again with this uh, word study series. So I'm really thankful to have Reed Langhennig uh, teaching this morning. I want you to know that what we're doing with this series is it's not just passing the baton off, like let me teach once, you teach once, someone else teach once, but it's really we, we come together, we meet this, we meet during the week before with someone else that's on that teaching team uh, to pray through things, to encourage, read, to uh, talk about Scripture together. So it truly is collaborative. And so I am so thankful um, that we have people like Reed and people like Joe and people like Shay that give of their time to pour in and lean into the Lord during the week and to teach. And so uh, I love Reed Langhennig. I've Reed and I met one one another when he was 19 years old. He was a freshman in college, and he came and he interned with our church. And so that was a long time ago. How old are you now? 47. 47. So there you go. So Reed, I'll never reveal my age. So I'm just kidding. I'm never, 25. Never ask a man his yeah. age. So it's been yeah. a long time that I've known him, and, and I want to say uh, to, to you, Reed, and to this church that I admire him so much, and I've seen him grow uh, tremendously. He served in a lot of different capacities at our church. He was an intern. He, he was our student ministry leader for a while. Uh, he currently serves on our missions team, and he's a student. He's a seminary student. So um, really, if nothing else, I want you to know I'm so proud and so honored to know and to love you. So thank you for being here this morning. So I'm going to pray over him, and then I'll sit down. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning, Jesus. I thank you for relationship and legacy and nostalgia. Like, God, you're so good and all those sort of things. And I just selfishly Thank you for Reed and Mai's relationship. I thank you that I get to stand up here right now and just to think when we met one another how many years ago, all the things that you would do and the, the, how kind and sweet you are to give us an opportunity to do ministry together um, for your kingdom. And so I thank you for that. I pray for Reed right now. I pray that you just empower and embolden him, that your spirit is poured out, that you activate all of his gifts and skills and you use him for your kingdom and your purpose. We love him and we thank you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Reed Langhennig, just as he said, and welcome to Vessel Collective Church. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. And just like Jake said, uh, this is a collaborative effort. And in doing so, I, I think that God used specific people to reveal things to me over the past couple weeks um, that have really helped me grow and develop what we're going to be talking about this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak into that real fast. Uh, but before 
we get going, I just have to share a funny story uh, about this morning. Um, and maybe you won't find it funny. Maybe you'll be a little sad for me. But I, th- I think it's funny. Uh, so I got up at 6 this morning, and I just wanted to spend some time with the Lord and not even really focus on this, but just to be like, okay, God, well, whatever you want today, whatever you want. And anyway, I get ready to leave at about 8 o'clock this morning. And... I go in, and Micah, my wife, and it's her birthday today, so tell Micah happy birthday today. Clap for her. Oh, yeah. Um, so I go in, and I say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out. I love you. I'll see you at church. Um, and she's like, didn't you wear that outfit last Sunday? And, uh, and then I, like, I was like, maybe I did. I, I, I can't remember. Um, and then the more I thought about it, I'm pretty sure I wore this last Sunday. Um, so... Yeah, I, I just want to share. I thought that was pretty funny because uh, I was like, I, I was at home. I could have changed, but I was like, oh, I'm good. And it was like, if I, if I can't remember it, I mean, it's, you know, maybe there's somebody in here who remembers it, but I was like, ah, that's all right. Here I am in the same outfit as last week, and I'm proud to be here, okay? Um, so we're continuing the series on what it means to be a witness. Last Sunday, Jake opened us in a very broad introductory understanding of what it means to be a witness. And he walked us through this idea in the legal sense and the ethical sense and the moral sense, what it means to be a witness, right? If you witness something legal, you will go to court and you will share what you saw. And essentially, what we learned last week about being a witness is it's not your job to save people. That is what, that's the work of the Lord, right? God saves, and we are just called to witness. And that is exactly what a witness does on the witness stand, right? They say, I saw this happen. Here's my perspective, and that's it. So being a witness does not mean you have to have all the right answers. It doesn't mean you have to argue someone into the kingdom of heaven. That is not what being a witness is. It is simply taking what the Lord is giving you and sharing it, right? So that's, that's kind of what we learned last week, and he used Acts 1.8 where it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what we learned from that is that we now get to partake in the kingdom of heaven. We get to partake in the kingdom of God because it is to the ends of the earth that we're called to be witnesses, right? That's what we're learning. It is not, it did not end with the early church. It did not end with Jesus. It was just beginning, right? When Jesus died and resurrected, now we get to partake in the family of God and continue it to the ends of the earth. That's why being a witness is so important. So today, we're going to be spending some time in a very broad sense looking at the biblical narrative from Genesis to Jesus. So essentially, the entire Old Testament. We're going to take a a, a pretty quick look through, and uh, I'm so excited about this morning because at the end of it, don't be quick to leave because we have a baptism today. Cash Turner is being baptized just down the road. Yeah, praise God for that. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's so exciting. So don't be quick to leave. I know a lot of you guys are here visiting uh, to see Cash, to you know, witness to his faith. Um, so it's, a, it's such a special morning, so don't be quick to leave. Um, so we're going to start, and I had two revelations this week that God just like dropped on me through two different people, 
And the first was Sean James, which a lot of you guys know Sean James. He's sitting in the back. And uh, he came over one night because Micah was working. She works the night shift. His wife, Casey, was at school. So it was just him and I and we and, and my baby. And uh, so he had to come over so I could put her down. And anyway, I, I, he asked me, like, hey, how's, how's preparation going? How are you feeling? And I was like, honestly, I am kind of struggling. Um, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to tackle. It's the entire Old Testament. What do, what, what do I do with that, you know? Like, how do I fit that into a concise little thing with a ribbon on top? And so I just started talking through all these Old Testament characters who are bearing witness. And he was like, oh, it sounds like you're talking about Hebrews 11. And in that moment, something just like clicked. And I was like, that's you, Lord. That's it. And I was like, thank you, Sean. Um, so... So I've been spending so much time in Hebrews 11 and 12, and it's just all making so much sense to me, and I hope that it'll make sense to all of us this morning. The second revelation I had this week was, just as Jake mentioned, this is a collaborative effort, right? So Joe Ho, who's going to be teaching in a couple weeks, he was my collaborator, and he came and sat with me, and I started developing this sermon and all these points, and I'm just like, okay, here's how we're going to fit it together. It's a puzzle, but I think I maybe figuring it out. And anyway, I sit down with Joe, and in all of his wisdom, he says, well, how are you going to start it? And I was like, well, I was thinking about this, 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 this. And he's like, hold up. What if you started with the end and worked backwards? And once again, another snap. And I was like, that's you, Lord. That's it. That's how we're going to structure this thing. It made so much sense to me. So we're going to start with the end in Hebrews 12 and then go back into Hebrews 11 and get a great picture. Um, And I'm going to stand with this nice little pulpit. So if you could put up Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Um, and I'm going to just read through that, and we're going to get to just dive in. So it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith." For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I know we're going backwards. We're going back to the Old Testament, and that was all about Jesus. So this first line begs so many questions. It says, therefore, which begs a question, therefore what? And then it says, well, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so who are these witnesses? And that's what we're going to begin to tackle, reading through Hebrews 11, what has been coined as the hall of faith, where the author of Hebrews is listing out all these people, all these people who have lived by faith, who bore witness to God uh, and ultimately found fulfillment in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's where the culmination of history lies. That's where our life begins, right? Um, So that's so exciting. So before we we continue, I just want to redefine witness. Jake used a great definition last week, and I found one also that I found that was very helpful for me. Um, And it says this, it says, refers generally, to be a witness refers generally to something or someone that bears testimony to things seen, heard, transacted, or experienced. And synonyms for uh, witness is to testify, right? 
It means to testify, to be a witness is that you will testify and, and, and stand up for things. Um, so with that understanding, we know that it means someone or something uh, that bears testimony to things heard, seen, transacted, experienced. That's our definition that we're going to be working with this morning as we continue this word study. Um, so let's go back to Hebrews 11. So it begins, the chapter begins, and I'm going to go pretty broad through this, and then we'll continue to pluck out good scripture that, that just speaks for itself. Uh, it begins with Abel, right? Right after Adam and Eve, their son, Abel, and you know the story of Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother Abel, but Abel, he lived by faith, right? He lived by faith. He offered good and faithful things to the Lord. And then, and then the author continues on into Enoch. Super weird. You should look it up. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but it's very weird. Um, and then it goes into Noah. You know the story of Noah. He builds the ark, right? Two of every type of animal. A great flood uh, rises, and, and Noah and his family and all these animals are on this ark. And then the waters subside, and God says, let's start over. Let's try again, right? Let's try again. Um, so we're all understanding all things through the context that we're all sinful, that we're all broken, that we're all trying to live and fight and claw. And you see in Genesis 3, through the curses of God, it says, by the sweat of your brow you will toil and, and strive, and nothing will come but thorns and thistles. And we see this reality that we're living in is that it's broken and sinful and in need of God to fix it. And we see our best human efforts in Hebrews 11. We see the best efforts provided of the faith. People who lived by faith and trusted God, but who still failed, right? So we see uh, Noah, and then we get Abraham, right? God makes a huge promise, a huge promise that propels the entire Old Testament. He says, Abraham, come here. Or he was Abram at the time. And then he got a new name, Abraham, which means father of the multitudes. But to Abram, he says, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you an inheritance, and I'm going to, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. And we see that that is how the entire Old Testament propels forward. Abraham, and God promises Abraham a son, him and his wife Sarah. And we know that story also. If you're familiar with that story, they take matters into their own hands. They said, God, we're old, you know, we're shriveling up, you know, we're, we're trying to have kids, but it's just not, it's not happening. And God says, trust me, I have an heir. I have your inheritance, right? It will come, just trust me. And they take matters into their own hands and it doesn't go well, right? You might know the story of Hagar. Um, but then God blesses them with Isaac, their son. So if you can put up verses 13 through 16 of chapter 11, and it says there's this break after they talk about Abraham and Sarah in chapter 11 where it says all these people that we just talked about were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them right? And we see this idea. We see this idea that these people were promised things and they died, right? The promise was not fulfilled. The story 
did not kind of go according to their plan, right? Abraham was promised land, an inheritance, a great family, and to be a blessing to the nations. And he got old and he died, right? That didn't move forward. He, he passed. Noah, right? The same thing. When the water subsided, he was called to essentially make a new Eden, right? Start over, you know? Let's, let's fill the earth with humans and be a blessing uh, and have dominion and rule. Um, so we move on to Isaac, right? The story continues in Hebrews 11. Abraham and Sarah's promised son, right? Isaac. Uh, and then we move on to his son, Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, right? Where we get our, where we get our phrase of Israel for the nation. And, Ab- and Jacob has all his sons and one of them. Uh, and then he has Joseph, and then we move into Moses, right? That's just very broad, very quick. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And in the Joseph story, at the end of Genesis, you see Israel becoming large, becoming a great people, move into Egypt, right? And that's where the story of Moses picks up, right? His uh, Israelite mother and father put him in the Nile River, send him down. He gets rescued and adopted by uh, the Egyptian family. You've probably seen Prince of Egypt. Um, it's a great movie. I know there's some Val Kilmer fans in the room. Uh, I'm not one of them. But nonetheless, I, you know, not a great Moses in my opinion. Um, and I was looking through the cast last night. Jeff Goldblum was Aaron? That's crazy. Uh, that's, that's all kinds of messed up, honestly. They need to redo it, all right? You know? So, anyway. Um, that, that's where we get the story of Moses. And yeah, if you can put up verses 29 through 31, and I know we're moving fast, but it says, by faith the people passed through the Red Sea. This is the story of Moses as on dry land, right? God split it. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned, right? The waters closed on them. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient, right? So there is a lot of history in those three verses. There is a lot of history. You get Moses and the Israelites leaving exile and going into the wilderness, right? This huge exodus. The story, the, the, the book of the Bible is literally called Exodus. They're leaving exile and going into the wilderness. And then you get Joshua, right? And you get Joshua. And Jake used uh, Joshua 4 last week, right? Where they crossed over the Jordan and because of this great thing, reminiscent, reminiscent of leaving exile of Egypt, God calls them to take 12 stones for, e- for the 12 tribes of Israel and use those to bear witness to him, right? They have these things. We have Joshua. Then we have Rahab, right? Before Joshua enters into the promised land, the thing that God promised Abraham generations before, remember that? This promise that has been present throughout the entire story. Joshua is on the edge of the promised land looking in, and he sneaks in with spies and none else but a prostitute helps them, right? Keeps them hidden. And that begs so many questions about the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, Yeah, it's not as suburban as maybe we make it, right? The kingdom of heaven is so expansive and radical um, that even the lowest societally that we would call the lowest can be huge people. Rahab, a prostitute, is listed in this hall of faith, right? What does that say 
about the kingdom of heaven? What does that say about being a witness and being faithful with what God has given you? Um, So what we see from this story uh, in all these stories is that every single one of these people failed miserably. If you went to Sunday school, if you have read your Bible, if you have watched The Prince of Egypt, um, you, you know, right? Every single one of these biblical characters failed miserably. The nation of Israel failed miserably, right? Moses was literally up on Mount Sinai receiving the law from the Lord, and he comes down to see his people have completely forgotten that God literally split the sea in half and led them into the wilderness They forgot, and he comes down from the mountain and to see them worshiping a golden cow, right? And you're like, wow, really? Did you, are you so quick to forget? Um, So I began to have this revelation, my third and final revelation of this week. Uh, It was great. God spoke to me in such cool ways. I was driving home from work um, downtown, so I have a little bit of time in the car uh, from downtown Austin back up here to Round Rock. Uh, and I, I had just left work, and I was driving back up north. And I just prayed. I was like, God, I give me something. Like, like speak, say something to me. I, I need your help this week. I need your help this week. And instantaneously, I kid you not, instantaneously, God gave me this thing, this phrase, this thing that I've just been like chewing on. And maybe it makes sense to me, and I hope that it makes sense to you, but it's just been blowing my mind this week. Instantaneously, I'm sitting in my car, remind you, uh, and I'm just driving in this phrase, and it says, being a witness, being a true witness is bearing witness to the past and the future in the present. And I was like, what? You know, what, what, what is it? Oh, you know, and it just like took root and like shook me to the core because every single one of these stories bears witness to what God has done and what God is promising to every single one of these people. Look at Abraham, right? God promises him land, inheritance, and a blessing to the world, and, and he looks forward to that, right? Moses, the same thing. He is a, an Israelite, but grows up in Egyptian royalty. He looks to the past, to his people, and then he looks forward to what God is promising, what he promised Abraham. Bearing witness means that we have to refer to the past, and if you're anything like me, that is hard, right? It's hard, to sit with the past. Oh, I'm tripping on things. Um, Yeah, bearing witness to the past is not easy. And that's where we get our word testimony. Remember in the definition, the synonym was to testify. And being a witness is to testify to what God has done. And that includes where you have been, right? There are some incredible testimonies in this room. There are incredible stories in this room of the past And to bear witness means you have to go and and respond to those things. For me, it's so easy to just like not think about it because I I, I think about like my past and growing up and my childhood and things that I'm ashamed of and things that I'm not happy with and things that were confusing and things that just don't, didn't make sense, right? And it's so easy for me to just negate those things and cut it off and be like, but I have Jesus now. I have Jesus now. Thank God my life is so much better. I'm walking with the Lord. Things are, things are working now. You know what I mean? They make sense to me now. And I'm living and walking in faith and that's all I need right now. But in order to be a good witness, you have to bear to the past, right? Your witness includes where you've been, what you've done, the things that you've said that have hurt people, right? You have 
to be a witness means you are going to live in the past, but also looking forward to the future, the things that God has promised, right? And we see in the middle of the Bible, right, or I guess a little over the middle, um, the person of Jesus comes, right? This culmination of history is found in the person of Jesus, the one, the new Adam. The original Adam didn't go so well. Abraham didn't go so well. You know, we fast forward to Moses, that didn't go so well, right? We see these stories of people who have failed, 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 failed miserably, and they're looking forward to someone who will make it all right, who will wipe away every tear, who will come and make things right and good and relieve us, right? And that's the story of the Old Testament. Just, it's the same story. It's the same pattern over and over and over and over again. God calls people to bear witness to him, and they do, and they fail at the same time. So we're looking for a witness who can come and get it right, a chief witness, if you will, one who will come and bring justice. And I just want to read, um, yeah, I just want to read Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. And honestly, if, if I can ask everyone to close their eyes as I read this, uh, I just want you to, like, not be distracted and just hear these words. This is a prophetic text. It's a messianic text. It is looking forward to the Messiah is what that means. Um, So yeah, just receive this. This is late in Israel's history. It says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So that's a lot of scripture right there, right? You can open your eyes. Or, I mean, you can keep them closed if you'd like, but, I mean, you do you. Uh, but that, that is a lot of scripture right there. And it ends. It's, it's just a breath of hope to the people of Israel. When Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord, he says, the former things have come to pass and new things that I now declare. And before they spring forth, before this servant who comes, before this chief witness who will bring justice to the earth, before they come, I tell you of them, right? And all of Scripture is pointing to one person and one person only, and that is that of Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus comes. You know the story, and Jake and Shay are going to be sharing a lot about this next week. But Jesus comes, and he doesn't really fit that mold, right? Or, or so they think, right? He comes 
in the form of a carpenter, right? He comes as a man who is poor, right? And we, we, we don't get this, mag, you know, this huge image of, you know, people will wait for his words and, and, and he will bring forth justice and, and all these things, right? He comes as a lowly man, right? Where we get this idea of the suffering servant. Uh, you see that in Philippians 2, right? Go read that. That's all about Jesus making himself lowly, even to die on the cross, a gruesome death. Um, so, yeah, if you can put up Isaiah 43, verse 10, this is the next chapter. This is my last scripture. I know it's so much scripture, but it's so much better that way, right? Because um, God's word is so good. Uh, Isaiah is speaking to Israel on behalf of the Lord, and he says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. And he now, speaking to Israel, says, you are my witnesses and my servant, right? Israel is supposed to be a light to the nation, and they fail over and over and over and over again. Read First and Second Kings, right, where God raises up kings, and some of them are great, and some of them are horrible, and you feel like we've taken three steps backwards in the story. Everything is pointing to the one king who will make all things right, right? So these people are longing for something. Um, so this morning, it's, it's so exciting to be with y'all. It's so exciting to share these things because we're reminded that God is calling every single one of us to be witnesses, right? Just as we read through stories of people, Moses, Abraham, Noah, all these people, Isaiah, the prophets, the judges, these people who will come uh, and who have, have come in the name of the Lord, they have fallen and they're all broken and they need a Savior. And that Savior was found in Jesus. So we go back to Hebrews 12. If you can put Hebrews 12 back up there, um, we're reminded of how we started this thing, to circle it back after we talked through all of those people, right? And even the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 11, they said, I don't have time to list this person, this person, this person, this person. And there's like a list of people that the author doesn't even talk about, right? Uh, but then it, it's found in this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. We have these witnesses and we stand on this side of the promises, right? You, find, you read the story, you read the story, you read the gospels and you see Jesus and from our perspective, we, we know who he is, but to some and to most, they didn't see it, right? They didn't see it. There was a veil over their eyes. They couldn't recognize who Jesus was, right? But we do, right? We have this. We have this scripture. We know who Jesus is. And we stand on this side of the promises. Remember, they lived by faith, but they did not receive what they, was promised to them. Now we get to reap those benefits. And it says, um, where, where are we? Ah, yeah, remember Hebrews 11, it ends, that chapter ends with this phrase. It says, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, 
only together with us would they be made perfect. The story of the Old Testament, the story of Jesus Christ, and the story of today is all culminating together. It's all one, right? That's the story of Scripture because it doesn't end. It doesn't end. We're still a part of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? John the Baptist says that. That's Isaiah, right? That's Isaiah. You go back and read Isaiah. And uh, he says, make, make way, a path, a desert, a, a straightaway for the Lord, right? And who, who says that in Scripture? John the Baptist. And then who comes after John the Baptist? Jesus Christ himself. Everything is pointing to Jesus, and now we get to partake in the kingdom of heaven. So be reminded that you are a witness. Every single person in this room, if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, every single one of us have a responsibility. Every single one of us are not supposed to have it figured out, are not supposed to have seminary degrees, are not supposed to be good at arguing. Lord knows I'm not. You're not supposed to have all these things in a row in order to be a witness. All you need to do is read your word, know who Jesus is, know who truth is, and then stand by it and believe it, right? That's it. So I have two things of application. I'll invite the worship team back up here. Just two quick things. Uh, And I I guess I kind of just said one. But the first application point is uh, read your Bible. (laughs) That sounds so funny. That sounds so Christian. It sounds so normative. It sounds so familiar, right? I'm sure if you've been in church, you've heard somebody bark that at you. Uh, But the reason we read our Bibles is to be reminded of the witnesses of the past, is to be reminded of this Old Testament, to be reminded of Jesus as the chief witness, to be reminded of the early church in Acts who were persecuted and murdered. Remember uh, Jake defined witness, the Greek, martyr? People were martyred, right? Stephen, Paul, Peter, all these people died for their faith, and we're not really experiencing that here. Uh, We're not experiencing that here, right? Praise God. Um, but we're called to just stand on the foundation of Scripture, and we're called to know the Word, right? So read your Bibles and become familiar with the witnesses uh, because you might be surprised that God is speaking to you in similar ways. That's the funny thing about God is you can read these things and He will unfold things, right? I think they say that my generation is the most biblical illiterate. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, and I'm sure that one after us, whatever that one is, Gen Z, I, I'm not sure. I'm a stinking mo- millennial. Um, insert something punchy. Um, you know, like that, that's not, that we, we're not supposed to just receive on Sunday mornings. We're not supposed to just be like, all right, I'm here to just eat. Give me, give me, give me, give me. God is way too personal <laughs> for you to be that removed. God is way too personal for you to be that removed. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to know his names in scripture, right? Uh, And he wants you to know Jesus above all else. The second thing is exactly what Jake shared last week and just to build upon it. Take what God has shown you and show it to someone else, right? Being a witness is very simple. If I witness a car accident and I have to go to court I, I, can, I can stand there and just share what I saw, right? This car sideswiped that one, and, and I saw them run into the guardrail. You know, that's, that's the witness stand. I, I, I did what I did, 
I don't have to, I don't have to give uh, facts on the physics of how it all happened. I don't have to give evidence. Don't worry, I got a piece of their car to prove. You know, like, like being a witness, you just have to show up, right? And just share what you saw. And that is exactly what God wants you to do. Being a witness is not for the pastors. It is not for the priests. It is not for, uh, you know, some spiritual advisory board or the elders. or You know, it is for every single person who calls on the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that that convicts. I pray that that convicts because there are so many great opportunities to bear witness to who God is. And I have three people that have been on my heart for since December when we moved into the coffee kiosk in downtown Austin, right? There are three people that I just really feel towards and feel led to just be a light to them. Uh, one of these people is a lady, and she's going through a divorce. And I, you know, there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences in the kingdom of heaven, right? He, why would she open up to the little barista at the coffee kiosk. There are no coincidences. Um, and I've just been able to receive and not, not we, we, I haven't even established that I'm a Christian yet, but I, I'm just able to be present and hear her and encourage her. And uh, yeah, another person is this guy. He saw me reading Isaiah Classic, my favorite book. It's so confusing. That's why I'm drawn to it because um, I love to be confused. That's uh, a problem. Uh, but he, he saw me reading Isaiah, right? There are, those, there are those journal Bibles that Jake has shown us before. I have one for Isaiah, and I was reading it there. And, and this guy, he came up to me. He said, hey, what are you reading? And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, can I get anything started for you, sir? And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm not getting coffee. What are you reading? And I was like, oh, the, the book of Isaiah, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew Bible. And, and he's like, oh. That's amazing. And he came back the next day. He's like, check this book out. And I, and I was like, oh, what, what, what am I looking at? And he, he was like, it's, it's this Eastern guy writing from a Western perspective. And it's this idea about how there's one mountain but many paths to get to the, to get to the truth, right? It's cool. He's like, you know, I'm very Buddhist myself. And he's like, that's cool that you're a Christian. Because, I mean, we're all going towards the same thing, buddy. And, and there's like a part of me that's like, I... I want to share Jesus with you. I want you to know Jesus. I, 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 I don't want you to just take, take little bits of every religion and, and make, a, make a platter, you know? Uh, I want you to know Jesus. And the, the third and last, the third and last person is this guy. He comes, and he is the most intentional with me. He pulls a bench up and sits at the bar in front of my drip, you know? So when people come and have to get drip, you know, they're like, oh, excuse me, sir. He's like sitting in the middle of it all. And I'm just like, I love this guy. Uh, it's like, he's such a nuisance. Uh, but he, 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 one day he came and he brought a crystal, right? And he's like, this thing is, is yelling at me. It wants to be owned by you. And I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. And, and then he disappeared for a few weeks. And now he's starting to come back. And I'm getting bits and pieces of his story. And these three people that I just shared, I have an opportunity. And only I have that opportunity. You know, Sean can't come in. Logan can't come in. And they can't speak into these people, right? They don't have that position, right? There are no coincidences in the kingdom of heaven. So I say that to convict because there are people in every single one of your lives who God has placed there, right? 
not, God is too good to let things slip through the crack, right? He's not going to be like, oh, what, what am I going to make Martha Robinson do? I don't have anybody in her circle. And then somebody walks in. He's like, oh, no, thank God. I mean, thank me. You know, like, ah, uh, I'm going to convict the crap out of her heart, you know, so that she feels guilty when she doesn't witness to them. No, no, no. God, God is too good to let things slip through the cracks. He has put people in your life that only you can speak to. I have no right to step in. I have no right to step in. It is your responsibility because God calls every single one of us to witness. So I say that as encouragement. And this morning, Cash Turner is having the opportunity to bear witness to his faith, what God has done in his life. He gets to stand before all of us in the waters and say, I am broken, I am in need of a savior, I am in need of Jesus Christ. And he gets to present himself before the Lord and before his people. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.